Hey, welcome back. Two days ago, I posted the interview with Lindsay Weisher where she travels the world. I've done a little bit of traveling myself, nowhere near as much. I've been to maybe 40 or 45 American states. I've been to Canada, Mexico, and Guatemala. Today, I would like to talk just a little bit about what it is like to go to a foreign country, why I went, and also maybe what benefits another person could get if they traveled themselves. Well, first of all, I went to Guatemala because a bunch of friends were going and I thought it was going to be a mission trip of some kind. I really didn't know what to expect, but I knew that it would be 10 days in a foreign country. For years, I had worked at UMKC, and for years, I considered myself too poor to travel much of anywhere. I think I had a lot of wrong ideas on traveling. I think that there were a lot of cheaper ways to travel, and it didn't occur to me many of the things that I could do. For example, you could stay in the cheapest hotels possible, or you could camp. You could eat entirely out of grocery stores. There are many, many other things that a person could do to make things dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. Since getting to Guatemala, I have met people who have traveled all over the world. I had a kid who graduated from high school where I actually ran into him in Guatemala, and it turned out that he was hitchhiking his way through all of Central America. So he went from every country, from Panama to Mexico, basically on foot, and he definitely looked like he was backpacking. Um, he had a long beard, uh, he had a big smile on his face, and he was dressed in fatigues. Um, it just looked like such an adventure, and I think he was having a great time. It was crazy because I was eating in a fancy restaurant in Antigua, Guatemala, and here he walked by on the street. He recognized me. We came in, and then we had quite the conversation. Well, when I went to Guatemala, some of the most amazing things to me were the fact that it was just so alien, so different than the United States. I had never been to what was once called a third world country, which is now called a developing world country. But at the time, Guatemala was the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. The average person was living on $1.75 a day. They said that they would need twice that much just to get their basic needs met. But somehow people were surviving, and I'm not quite sure why that was. Guatemala had suffered from a 36-year civil war from roughly about 1960 to 1996, and then they had a very, very unsteady peace going on ever since when I was there, which was 10 years later. In fact, before I went, I looked up a few basic statistics about Guatemala. It turned out that while the people were friendly, the murder rate in Guatemala was literally seven times higher than it was in the United States. Later, when I was there, I found out that perhaps most of that was driven by Guatemala City. Guatemala City is a city of about 3 million people in a country of about 12 million, and people from Guatemala all over the countryside are pouring into Guatemala City, hoping to find work, looking for work, but they would wind up for the most part, I think unemployed and living in tin roof shacks with dirt floors on the edge of town, no electricity, no running water, just basically trying to survive. So Guatemala was really kind of a chaotic place. The rural places were a lot nicer. I went to a city called San Lucas Taliban, which was maybe about an hour away from Guatemala City, possibly a little bit farther. But... We took a route to get there that took us four and a half hours. 
And the main reason was, is that the main highway going between St. Lucas Talamon and Guatemala, Guatemala City was considered to be far too violent to, to use. So we took this four and a half hour route when we could have just taken this one hour route because it was basically considered to be unsafe. In fact, one time when taking this long route, we were stopped by the local military. They looked us over, tried to make sure that we weren't up to trouble of any kind, and then later they let us kind of go on our way. So, so far, I guess what I'm painting is this horrible picture of this potentially very, very violent place. But ironically, once we got to St. Lucas Talamon, it was idyllic. It was just like being in a tropical climate. Well, it was a tropical climate where everybody was peaceful, everybody was happy, everybody was cheerful. I, I never heard of a single crime while I was there. There could have been 500 for all I knew, but it seemed like there were just no problems. The uh, little city of St. Lucas was on the edge of a lake, and the lake was nestled in between several volcanoes. Um, the temperature was 70 degrees every single day. In fact, they called Guatemala the land of the eternal spring. There are thousands of different lush plants and um, vegetables and fruits that are present in a rural place like this. It truly just was a gorgeous, green, lush, tropical paradise. And the people, as I mentioned, were so friendly and so cheerful all of the time. It was just the strangest thing. Well, okay, a funny story. I was there with a group of people, and one of them was a girl named Jenny. And part of the reason we were down there was, is a good friend of ours, a man named John, had originally invited us down. He came to Guatemala to be there for about a year so that he could maybe see a different side of life. He was a corporate accountant in the Kansas City area, and then he just one day just decided, hey, I want to live in Guatemala for a year. So he was down there, and he was in his upper 20s, well, he said, we really need to hike this big hill that's near the city. And my friend Jenny, who was really not much of an outdoorsy person and uh, just not a very athletic person in general, said, there's just no way I'm going to do that. And he talked her into it somehow. Well, after we'd been climbing for about 15 minutes, it was it was fine. It was good. It was going uphill. Uh, I can't remember how tall this this miniature little mountain was maybe, you know, a thousand, two thousand feet. Well, we reached this uh, limestone wall and then she looked at this and she said, no way in hell. Well, my friend John said, Jenny, it's not that big of a deal. It's only about 12 feet high. We'll just climb it here. I'll climb up first and then I'll, I'll help you up. I'll reach down. I'll help pull you up. And uh, it's the only wall like this. And it's just not that big of a deal. Well, somehow we talked her into this and with, I guess, some tears, she got up to the very next level. So then we hiked for quite a ways more for another 15 minutes. And what do we run into but another limestone wall? Man, was she ever mad. She said, you said that other one was the only one. And he said, well, I think I must have forgot about this one. Well, after that, there were four more limestone walls. So at the end of all this, she had climbed six of these things and I guess was quite proud of herself. Um, I really don't condone the fact that he lied to her to get her to do this, but 
It was funny to us at the time, probably a little bit more funny than it should have been. Once we reached the top, we had been climbing for four, maybe five hours, and there was just all kinds of sweating and people were rather tired, but we had reached the top of the sail and we took a lovely photo of ourselves. This was before social media and it was just absolutely great. We could see the whole valley for miles and miles and miles. Volcanoes dotted the landscape. Uh, Lake Atlazan below was a shimmering blue. It was beautiful and we felt a real sense of accomplishment. Then the funny thing was, is I thought it would take another five hours to get back downhill, but you're cruising downhill the entire time. And uh, for whatever reason, I'm only thinking of this now, John knew of another path where going downhill, there were no limestone walls. We just simply cruised all the way down. So I guess he knew about the six limestone walls in advance, um, lied to Jenny that there was only one, but I guess she got an athletic workout in for the day. I have a second story, and it's really more of a little bit of a note. When coming back to America, this was after about 10 days, um, our crew was waiting in the air airport um, in Guatemala and hoping for the flight to get back to Atlanta, Georgia at the International Airport. Well, everybody was kind of tired. It had been quite the week. Many times, people had only slept maybe four or five hours a night. At other points, people had done all kinds of physical work. Um, there was a difference in altitude because we were high up in the mountains. There was a difference in the type of food that people uh, were used to. Basically, everything was different. And so maybe about 10 days into this trip, everybody is pretty exhausted and just eager to get back home. I even had to remind myself on about day eight or day nine when I was thinking, oh, it will be nice to get back home, to actually savor this trip. I had to remember that there's about 200 countries on Earth, depending upon who's doing the counting, apparently. And I may never make it back to Guatemala again for as long as I live. And if that's the case, if I never am coming back here, I should really try to savor these last two days. I should try to enjoy the people. I should try to enjoy the exotic food. I should try to enjoy this completely alien culture that is absolutely and totally, utterly different than anything that I've ever grown up with. Well, when we did finally make it back to the United States, everybody just kind of laughed and they said, what are you going to do tonight? And person after person said, well, I'm going to go home, get a pizza and watch a movie. And I thought, wow, what is it about our American programming where that just seems like the perfect Sunday night activity? We could have done a million things, but all of us independently were deciding to go home and to get a pizza and to lounge about on our couches and watch a movie. Another thing that was interesting to me was when we made it back to the United States, instead of everything being lush and colorful and the buildings being painted 12 different kinds of pastels, we got back to the airport. And the airport is, well, it's cool in its own way but it was gray and it was sleek and it was efficient. And to get back into the United States, you go through various lines and gates and ropes. And what you see is you are definitely directed to walk in a straight line, put your bags here. Then the people would check over your bags. 
And I just thought, well, we're back in the United States. I guess it's time to be efficient again. The old premise of being in Guatemala, where when they say they're going to start at nine, they may or may not start at nine. And everybody is just very relaxed and casual. And the idea is to kind of be at peace and to enjoy life. Well, back in the United States, it was really more go, go, go. Let's be efficient. A few final thoughts on travel. Travel used to be something that people would do after they completed a university education. When university educations were much more rare, going on a traveling trip after your university time was considered to be a way of completing your education. You had read about things in books. Now you could actually see things in the world. I think this is one good way to look at travel. Of course, people travel for lots of reasons. I think they travel to get away from it all. They travel to experience brand new things. Some people travel so that they can have adventures, so that they can go rock climbing, they can run marathons, they can go scuba diving, they can swim with the dolphins, they can hike through the Amazon, they can go cordless bungee jumping, I don't know. They, they go so that they can experience something new. They go for culture, like museums and the arts and things like that. Other people simply go for pure pleasure. They just go so that they can relax, eat good food, see good shows, have a good time. And I think all of these are wonderful reasons to go traveling. But for me, I think the best reason to go traveling would be to truly experience other cultures. When I was a kid, I used to read some pretty fascinating stories about people who'd go to different nations, for example, maybe Japan. Well, one story featured a man who wanders into the bathroom because he needs to use the bathroom. Long story short, he can't make heads or tails of a single object that's in the bathroom. He doesn't know which part of the bathroom to use for absolutely anything. To me, this sort of thing seems absolutely delightful. The concept of going to a foreign country and finding out that they have different ways of saying hello and goodbye, that please is appropriate in some circumstances, but it's not appropriate in others, that you may have no idea how to eat the food. You may have no idea what the food is. Um, they may put vegetables and meat on your plate that you've just never ever seen before. They may not even use plates. The whole idea of things being just radically alien, it's just fascinating to me. For me, that would be one of the absolute best reasons to travel. In future episodes, I hope to interview a friend or two who has traveled the world in an extremely inexpensive way and had absolutely marvelous experiences doing so. In those episodes, I will hopefully be able to give you the chance to understand the tricks of the trade for things like cheap airfare, uh, staying overnight in various places for either free or le for less than $10 a night, uh, how to eat as cheaply as possible, how to really entertain yourself and have a great time without spending a fortune on various activities, and ultimately, how to make the most of your trips. Well, that's all for this miniature episode. Until next Tuesday.